Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this episode of the Born to Talk radio show podcast with my guest, Richard Smart. Richard is the Regional Park Superintendent for County of Los Angeles Department of Parks and Recs Recreation at Stone View Nature Center, located, no pun intended, just a stone throw away from me in Culver City, California. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. It, it is kind of funny. Culver City really is the next community just north of where I live, and it's a beautiful place, Stoneview. I've been there on more than one occasion, and I'm just I'm just delighted to have you joining me because I think what you guys are doing there is sensational. But before we sort of get into what I would call the meat and potato of this show, I think it's really interesting, I think it's interesting to know who my guests are, what they're about. So I thought you could just give us, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, we'd, we, I'd love to know about you. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> well, I was born in Texas. I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. But as soon as I was young, my family, we moved around because my father was in the Air Force. So um, before sixth grade, I lived in Virginia, Michigan, Louisiana, um, which was hard for me because I was a painfully shy kid. But sixth grade on, I was back in Texas. Uh, yeah, I was super shy, um, which I don't know if it's because I'm the youngest in my family. I have three older sisters, um, and I just was always shy. My father would make me uh, uh, order food at McDonald's mm-hmm. to try to get over being shy. He told I know my parents would have conversations. They were worried about me. And now I give presentations for a living. I've been giving presentations for years and years and years. And I can guarantee that little kid would never have thought when he grew up he would be speaking in front of people and be on a blog radio show. (laughs) Isn't Isn't that great? You know, I happen to love the subject because we can only face plant in front of these computers so long. And then we have to get out. And for me, getting out, while it might mean taking a walk, it always means with a camera. And now that the phones have improved, you know, I don't have to take my my camera's cameras unless I decide to go someplace like where you are and and actually use a, a camera. But it's it's sort of a metamorphosis. It's uh, it's it's kind of like a butterfly. What you just described, you know, you're a caterpillar, and then you're a cocoon. And then, lo and behold, you're this beautiful swallowtail <laughs> or monarch. And it sort of, it, I, 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 I saw the connection when you were describing your shy self. I've never been shy. That's oh, not okay. to say I didn't have my awkward moments, because truly, <laughs> I did. 
I absolutely did. But as I grew older, I I also got beyond being feeling uncomfortable and can st- could stand on the stage and and make presentations. You could probably do an excellent TED talk because when people have a a passion as you do, Richard, for what you do, mm-hmm. it makes talking about it not so scary. It doesn't mean that we don't get kind of butterflies. Hello, there I am again. But, um, (laughs) you know, seriously, we get those kind of butterflies in our stomach. I mean, I do too. I mean, you know, we, we all experience that in some level, but I think it's phenomenal and, and so inspiring that you stepped out of that comfort zone, that you got your education. And I believe you and I um, have something in common and that you, at one point in your beautiful um, education, went to Texas A&M and are an Aggie. Am I right? Oh, yes. Um, yes. I, uh, class of 99 at, Te- at Texas A&M University, I wanted to go there. Uh, from sixth grade on, my family, we were back in Texas, and I saw fo- some football games, saw Texas mm-hmm. A&M, saw their traditions, and I was like, I want to go there. And, and I did. And yes. then your connection to A&M. I am. You, you didn't go there. No, but my son got his master's degree there, so I have been oh, on yes. that campus. I have been in that football stadium. I have oh, been to nice. Bryan, Texas. So I am very familiar with that very small town, nothing like, I mean, I consider Westchester where I personally live a community within a large city, but um, Bryan, Texas is definitely a small, a small community. And um, so it's just, I always love it, uh, Richard, when we, when I find, when I speak with my guests, the crossover of, of interest and certainly nature is something we both love. So as a regional park superintendent, um, and I know that's part of the larger um, organization of L.A. County Parks, um, what, are your resp- what are your responsibilities as a regional park superintendent? Um, what I like to tell people I did, because uh, regional park superintendent is such a long mouthful of a title, <laughs> but... Um, when I talk with kids and adults, I say I'm essentially like the manager of the park. Or with kids, I say I'm like the principal of mm. the park. Um, so trying to get the sense that, yes, I'm in charge of this park, but there is also a team that um, I work with to manage the park. And essentially my responsibilities are to make sure that the park is safe and that it's clean, it's an inviting place for people, but because Stoneview is a nature center, and we are considered a natural area park. I also need to make sure that the park is safe, clean, and inviting for wildlife as well, because um, we are a wildlife sanctuary. So in a nutshell, I'm managing the day-to-day of the park uh, for people and for wildlife. You know, I've been there, and I think, well, I haven't been there since COVID, but I had forgotten knowing that you are considered a wildlife sanctuary. I, I, I forgot knowing that. So that does make you very unique, and the actual physical location is also outstanding. 
I remember being there, you know. I think, during during the um, monarch time when I was there last. Oh, and you also have all those um, – you, you have a – Hello, never mind. I, I will, we'll get to this. But <laughs> okay. So uh, I just pictured myself standing there. Um, so how does someone sort of move up the ranks to become a regional park superintendent? I presume you've been involved in this career path for a while. Uh, I definitely have. And I'm glad to say there are a couple ways you could become a regional park superintendent within the Department of Parks and Rec with the county. My route, though, uh, came from first getting my college degree. So at A&M, I studied wildlife and fisheries, but I also was teacher certified. So I took a lot of education classes because I knew I was an educator, that that was something I'd like to do. And it was like, am I going to be a classroom educator or go more um, informal education? And I chose informal, meaning I wanted to teach at a nature center or a park, or I wanted to teach at a museum or a nonprofit. Um, I got my master's degree at the University of North Texas in environmental science because I thought maybe I'll be a research scientist. But when I was there, I worked at the Environmental Education Center, and that solidified that I am truly an educator. And so I, every career move I've made has been, how can I teach people about their environment? But specifically, I always thought, local environment. Um, hmm. when, you know, when we think about the environment, a lot of us think of uh, the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, the Sahara, the Great Barrier Reef. We think about these beautiful places that are um, sometimes, you know, idealized in movies and in uh, pop culture. But, you know, the nature, we do see nature every day, even in the city, and mm-hmm. I wanted to connect people to that. Um, you know, we see butterflies that you were talking about. We see them every day, and that's an example of local nature. Um, I want people to know about the water cycle that happens right around their local neighborhood. And so I really stuck with that, and I worked for the city of Dallas doing stormwater pollution education. I worked for the Botanical Research Institute of Texas, while mm. I uh, was the head of head of their public program. Yeah, that was a really cool place to work. I mean, every place I've worked at, I've been lucky to say, has been awesome. Um, and also challenging. Like, I, I remember when I first started at BRIT, that's what we call the, the research institute. I was like, oh, my gosh, everyone here is so smart. And, um, I guess that's what you'd expect at a scientific institute. But everyone, like, really knew what they were doing. And I was like, I got to make sure I can keep up. And um, mm-hmm. so that was a really neat place for me to really hone my chops. And considering, like, What's the intent of this program, particularly when you're trying to get people to come to your place to see value in the program, to maybe they don't know exactly what you're about, to how you're going to get them into your place. So I had to do a lot of professional growth there. And then I moved to Los Angeles, and I was working at the Natural History Museum for eight years in the community science oh. program, which was truly fantastic in every sense of the word. And then just for the yeah. last year and a half, I've been with Parks and Rec. But each move has been like, I started as a coordinator. So I'm coordinating education programs and, you know, learning how to give a presentation that connects to people. For sometimes, it's like, hey, Richard, speak to us for 30 minutes on this topic uh, on water pollution. Or sometimes I'm at a booth at a big event where people are there maybe 
uh, for neighborhood block party. And are they in the mood to hear about water pollution? Maybe not, but I'm going to try to talk with them. Maybe if I only have 30 seconds, but how can I relay some fact that might stick with them in 30 seconds? So sure. it's been a good challenge. I, I, I bet it hasn't. You know, I, I want to make sure we really talk about all the things that are important based on our conversation, but I almost can't not mention the disaster that's happened oh. in the beach cities not far oh, yeah. from where we live. And um, when we had this, this oil spill that um, it's just been, it's been, a, it's been a natural disaster. And I, I, I'm, I thought about you when I was watching this and listening to this and thinking about our beaches and thinking about the birds and the pelicans and the sandpipers mm-hmm. and the seagulls and, oh, my God, just all of that. I, I couldn't help but, but not think about that when that happened because um, we don't know when disasters will happen. But with that being said, we're going to talk about Stoneview. So tell us, tell us about Stoneview because it is really a cool place. Um, I I describe Stoneview as a wonderful urban nature location. It's a place where people can go to escape from the city while you're still in the middle of Los Angeles. We are located in Culver City, um, right off La Cienega, in mm-hmm. between the Baldwin Hill Scenic Overlook and Kennethon Park. So we're a five-acre wildlife sanctuary that is free to park at, free entrance. We're open Tuesday through Sunday. And when you come to Stoneview, our mission is for people to, when they're there, leave with a, you know, think about a healthy mind, a healthy body, and a healthy environment. So it's a place for people to connect to the environment in a quiet space. So we're slightly different than like a, a community park where people mm-hmm. might be playing softball, flying kites, um, running around, dancing to music. And I love those kind of parks. But Stoneview, mm-hmm. it's meant for an escape. And remember, it's still for wildlife. So while we, we don't, people are not allowed to play like um, amplified music. Uh, we don't have sports playing. But you can walk along our trails. You can find a nice quiet spot sitting by uh, underneath oak trees sitting in the middle of our fairy patch and read a book, talk with friends, play on your phone, mm-hmm. or sit there and look at the wildlife. You can go on our yoga deck. You can walk through our meditation labyrinth. The design is a place for you to connect to your mind, have a healthy body by exercising, and then taking an education class, connecting to the wildlife, to help us create a healthier environment. So uh, some people call it an oasis, a, a spite from the, uh, from the city. We, I like the word sanctuary. That term came before I started, and I thought it was mm-hmm. perfect because, you know, when we think of sanctuary, we think of safety, um, comfort, a place to go when you need escape, when you want safety and comfort. Um, and Stoneview is that place for a lot of people, particularly during the pandemic. Um, yes. We've stayed open the entire time. Like, we've been open the entire 
time. The team and I, we've been coming to work, keeping the park open, um, and, um, you know, beginning when we, a lot of uncertainty, I was, you know, we were very, we were a little nervous about being open, but there were protocols that we uh, were given and we followed and we kept the park open and it's been a place for people to, you know, still exercise, but also to, you know, get a break, like you said, from the computer, from, from Mm -hmm. Zoom, from Mm -hmm. their isolation. And um, it's been wonderful to have people come up and say that. Yeah, I'm certain that it does. It is, I should say. And it's also, you you mentioned Kenneth Hahn Park. I I, I call it Kenny Hahn, but I know it's Kenneth Hahn. I do, too. Um, (laughs) Do you call it Kenny? Well, because, you know, for for people that don't even know who we're talking about, so Kenneth Hahn, Kenny Hahn, was a major political positive force. And then his daughter, Janice, also, Yes. In this communities, because I've always lived here. You're you're a newbie to California as opposed to myself, and that park is also beautiful. And now they have built a bridge where you can actually walk across La Cienega from Kenneton Park over to Stoneview, or you can just go straight to Stoneview as you as you mentioned. And you know, and I also want to say this because I think this is really important because I don't want to have listeners thinking, well, what's the point of listening to this? I'm never going to go there. The point is this. We're talking about Stoneview because this is where you work and this is where your passion is. Yes. But there are regional parks across this country and for those of us that have felt isolated, to be outdoors in your regional park, wherever it is you live, and appreciate the safety, the sanctuary that you described, the comfort and the escape. And maybe you don't grab your camera. Maybe you grab a book. Um, but I believe that these parks serve an incredible value for humans, for humans. Definitely. And and for that reason, I think that's why this is so relevant, and why yes, you and I are are neighbors. But I I don't want to ever discount the fact that what you offer, and the kinds of things that you offer, can be found wherever you live. You just need to go to our favorite Google and ask Google or ask Siri, however you do it, to find where it is that you can also, what I like to say, commune with nature. Because we can um, do it in our backyards. You know, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. When As I'm speaking to you, uh, my hand is over my heart as if I'm about oh. to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And that's because this really is something I love I I really I really love nature wherever it is in the world. Can you imagine being in another country and you're in South Africa and you're seeing penguins in Boulder? I know. Can you imagine being in um Costa Rica and seeing an anteater climb a hill? I mean climb a tree? Or a sloth hanging there with a smile on its silly face because it's just hanging. So I, I just, I mean this when I say that to you, Richard. I think that you have a wonderful job. 
I understand it comes with great responsibilities. So what is it about what you love about working at Stoneview? Um, the first uh, thing that comes to my mind, honestly, is, is the team. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. Um, uh-huh. I am truly lucky, blessed, however you want to describe it, to have the team that I work with because everyone – you know, the best teams are the teams that, of course, get along, but that mm-hmm. like to be there. They want to be there because, and they're capable. And what's great, I, I remember my first day at Stonebury, I was so nervous. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm in charge of this park now. I remember walking up to the park. I was like, what did I do? I should still be back at the museum in my comfort zone. But I remember uh, meeting with the team. I met with Tatiana and Leticia. And Jordan right away, I was in my office, and there was an education class. There was an exercise class that was taking place that day. And I heard Jordan and Tatiana, like, talking, like, greeting the, uh, the people for the class by name. And the people who were taking the class, many of them were greeting them by name. And mm-hmm. the conversation, it was so warm. I was like, Jordan Tatiana, like, they know these people, and these people know them. Like, they're connected. And I was like, oh, that's, like, it was something I should have, like, really, I, I wanted, and I probably didn't really, like, think about necessarily as a, as a goal. But I remember thinking, like, all right, people are connecting to this part, but they're also connecting to the staff here. And I think because they see the staff working hard, to make the park so welcoming. Um, and so, honestly, like, and now we have Reiko, who's an amazing, who's our head gardener. She has this beautiful vision. She can see things in the landscape that I'm still learning to see. I don't know if I'll ever see because she sees it almost as a, uh, as, as a designer. Um, but the team makes my job fun and easier. Um, but I love it there. But then the other part, though, is, Stoneview is a perfect example of urban nature, nature in the city, um, showing that if you plant, you know, pollinator plants, you think of a garden space as habitat for wildlife, whether the wildlife are invertebrates like insects um, or birds or amphibians and reptiles, if you create a space for wildlife, the wildlife will find it. Um, and the wildlife found Stoneview, and it's a wonderful spot to be in. Um, my pandemic experience has been so much less stressful than a lot of other people because I still went to work every day. Mm-hmm. I was outside in a park where I could connect to coworkers and park patrons, but also smell flowers, see birds, hear birds, hear nature, see it, feel it, and still feel okay. So, yes. Boy, do I get it. <laughs> I get it. I mean, um, really, I am Mary Poppins. Yeah. I've been feeding the birds well, and the squirrels okay. in my backyard forever. And if I travel, I have a neighbor come over and continue that because I feel it's my responsibility. If I've been feeding you all along every single day, I'm not going to suddenly say what's well, not convenient. Yeah. I even I even I have know. a scrub jay that will take a peanut from my hand. I call him scrubby. Oh. 
if uh-huh. I'm in my house, I am not kidding you. If I am in my house and I hear him squawking, and trust me, I know that sound, I stop whatever oh, I'm great. doing, charge down the stairs, grab a peanut, and go, Scrubby, Scrubby, where are you? And we have a routine where he goes from the telephone pole to the house to the chair to the table. Hello. I know. I love it. That's I'm sorry. Incredible, I don't Martha. mean. Well, you know, I didn't mean to. I keep making this about me, and it's really about you. But I, well, I guess I, like I can that, relate. Yeah. And I'm hoping that people listening are thinking about their experiences with nature and the places that they've gone Mm-hmm. Uh, during pandemic and before, like to connect or for their quiet space, for their me time or their family time. Um, there are other people I'm sure who have stories similar. And that's like those, those are the connections that me as an environmental educator, a park professional, and hoping that people have, whether it's at Stoneview or maybe they get inspired after they visit to try to make those, or they've already established them. Like those are the connections that didn't get people to want to take action and continue to protect uh, their environment or their local environment, whether, you know, people are going to go out there to help uh, the OC parks with the oil cleanup. There are Mm -hmm. people who are going to, you know, write letters and talk to politicians to try to see what they can do to help and to, you know, take action. So, but a lot of that starts with, you know, recognizing like, you know, you know, we're all probably going to read the article. Oh, that's that's really bad. Mm-hmm. But then, if you start to think about, like, you start naming all those different uh, seabirds, and I was thinking, like, well, you know, what about the different invertebrates there, and uh, all the the other wildlife and uh, being affected, and you know, that's what people think about those animals and some some of the different uh, sea life, and I'm hoping those connections spill over beyond just visiting the park. You're right. You're absolutely right. How did how does Stoneview relate to the other county parks? Because how many how many parks are there in mm. the LA County parks? Um, that's a good question. I see total parks over a hundred. The county is huge and the parks department is huge. And the parks range in size from little pocket parks to parks uh hundreds of over a hundred acres. Um but what I will say is Stone, um, Stoneview is one of eight nature centers that the county um, owns and operates. So um, and when people come and visit Stoneview, a lot of us, the people think we're our own nonprofit, um, but we are part of the county. And so I would say that there's other nature centers throughout L.A. County that you can visit that the county manages and operates. And, you know, from all the way down south in San Pedro, uh, all the way east to San Dimas, uh, up north uh, in the Antelope Valley, we have Vasquez Rock, um, Eaton Canyon, within Pasadena is probably the most famous one. Um, but we are one of eight nature centers within the county owns and operates, and together we're called the Natural Areas Division. And with the Natural Areas Division, like our motto is learn, respect, appreciate, protect. So we're an educational destination. We are definitely trying to educate people about their local environment, about the land that they're visiting, you know, building that respect and appreciation. And then we are definitely responsible for protecting that land. You know, land Mm -hmm. management is a big part 
of the natural areas division. Stoneview, you know, when you come and visit Stoneview, it might be like, well, you know, five acres is not that big. It's not necessarily, you might think, a lot of land that you're for protecting, but we are by an oil field. We're in the middle of the city. It could easily have been developed into housing, um, businesses, but it was conserved to be this wildlife sanctuary place. Um, and I think that's wonderful. And many of the other natural area parks are much larger, and that conservation effort um, is probably immediately sent because you're like, wow, they protected all this land from um, development, enhanced it. Um, it's like a national park. You know, people value our national parks, and I'm hoping uh, people uh, in L.A. value their local natural area parks as well. Agreed. So if somebody is going to go and um, visit you, um, what can they expect to find? What, what, what will they get to do and see there? Um, when, well, one, I would always recommend whenever you're visiting a natural area park, so Stoneview, a county-operated, state or federal-operated one, call ahead. Um, I always say call ahead just to ask these types of questions, like what can you expect? Is there anything specific going on that day? Um, and are they still open that day? And what are the hours of operation? The staff, we love to give people like a heads up. But when you come to Stoneview, um, you can expect free parking, which I love to promote. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you're there, um, you're going to see our nature center. Ours is a small nature center. It's really just the restrooms that people are using. We do not have a museum because our garden, our park, is the attraction. So when you're walking around Stoneview, there are these um, very well-maintained flat paths made of um, uh, 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 DG, um, and I'm mm-hmm. totally forgetting what DG stands for right now, but it's like a very flat. Uh, I can tell you gravel. it's... Um... It's uh, decomposed granite. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, why can't I remember that? Because we just call it DC. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, decomposed granite. So for the, it's going to feel it's very easy to walk. So we have people pushing strollers along there, people easily to walk. And you can see fruit trees. We have orange trees. Uh, we have lemon trees. We have raised beds where we're growing fruits and vegetables. We have... Um, a beautiful lawn space that's really a uh, space for wildlife. It's our, our meadow, and, but people like to sit at uh, our fig overlook and to look over there and see rabbits. You might see ground nesting birds that kill deer. Um, we have some honeybee hives. We have um, a bee hotel. So it's going to be a quiet space. Now, we do have some exercise equipment, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, and that helps with that healthy mind and healthy body uh, aspect of our mission. But when I see the exercise equipment, like in a wildlife sanctuary, it seems a little juxtaposed. But mm-hmm. for me, that I'm hoping with park planners see that and, they go, and go, all right, we can replicate Stoneview in our community. And maybe it's not going to be so specifically designed for wildlife, but we can still have this beautiful space with these different pocket gardens that people can enjoy, but we still have that recreational element of um, 
exercise exercising. So mm-hmm. I love that that equipment's there, and people do use it. Um, uh, but lots of uh, two picnic tables, and you might say only two picnic tables, but we have a lot of benches, um, and we do have an outdoor kitchen with this great counter that people can sit at uh, to either eat their own food that they brought, but it's also a teaching space. So the other thing I haven't really talked too much about um, is that at Stoneview, and once again, before I got here, Stoneview had established itself with a really strong tradition of educational programs. Um, So we're talking about summer camps, story times, cooking classes, exercise classes, low-impact exercise classes from yoga uh, and Pilates, but in meditation, um, but it's really been a place, you know, that was, I don't know, I like to say it's like the new version of the nature center. Like when you walk in, the design is super clean. It's very contemporary, although the building, um, I feel, is very mid-century modern in its uh, exterior design to fit in with the neighborhood that we're at. But it's just a great space that I think when people get there, they just feel like, wow, this is inviting this is a clean area and they want to get involved they want to come back because they can enjoy the outdoor amenities um, as much as they want to in different capacities and then they can come back and take different classes as well let me ask you a question because you said something that was really interesting because i am now visualizing and like i said it's been way before the pandemic and I just visualize the bees. I just visualize the bee hotel, and uh, um, mm-hmm. and where you, and where you have them. But when it comes to the outdoor kitchen, just just out of curiosity, is that does that mean it's available if somebody wants to come and prepare their own food there, or or you have it's it's there for cooking classes? It's there for cooking classes, at least as far as like. You, it's not okay. a place where you can come and grill. No, no. Got it. But you okay. can sit at the – when people see it, when you, when you come and and look at it, first time you will probably think, oh, do I order food here or is it a bar? Mm-hmm. Cause, um, but it's a place where people rest. They will get on their laptops and do work or study. Um, but we can – we do offer classes where that space has been reserved for people taking a class. And then we've had bread-making classes, tamale classes, hmm. um, all sorts of uh, neat classes out there. So it's a neat, teachable space. But for the day in, day out, um, you would not be able to cook there, but people sometimes eat their lunch there. I see. All right. I hope that and makes if you, sense. <laughs> it do, Well, let me ask you this. Um, and I, It does. Let's say you plan on really spending some time there and you're coming with your right. family, and you plan on maybe having a picnic, and you've got your water or whatever, or you've got your salad or whatever you're going to eat, are you entitled, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing the answer is no, is there a refrigerator that you could put your bag of picnic in there while you're enjoying the location and then come and get it, or is that not available? That is not available. Okay, that's what so I thought you were saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I didn't think so. Your own, yeah. We don't sell food. I'm glad actually we're talking about this now because sometimes people think like, oh, do you have a vending machine, a water machine, soda machine? We have uh, two water fountains 
um, including one that you can refill your jars up, your water bottles up very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do not sell food, and we do not Perfect. sell uh, beverages. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, yes. you, we've talked about urban nature, and you've kind of described what that means. And I'm, and I'm sure that it's, it's seasonal. I, I, I can't resist taking a picture when I see a grasshopper on an Austin okay. area, you know, or I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some butterfly expert will tell me of my sadness that my beautiful swallowtail caterpillar that I had four of that actually went down to two cocoons, two chrysalis, whatever you call it, that actually truly did come out and fly and survive, dry off and do its thing. I had another beautiful caterpillar. That's the most beautiful caterpillar I've ever seen. And it eventually made its chrysalis, and that's mm-hmm. as far as it went. And it, it's, I, I have to presume that it really is, there is no butterfly inside. It's been well over two weeks now. If something was going to truly come out of that chrysalis or cocoon, however you would call it, it would have done it by now. I think it's just unfortunately didn't make it, well, and that happens, right? It does happen. I would, I would still wait. Like we, we have. I, I don't know the, the how long it takes for a swallowtail uh, mm-hmm. to come out of its chrysalis. But we have some morning cloak uh, butterflies mm-hmm. that our volunteer Paul, like he started this great education, this demonstration where we have these cases on their, the counter where we, he helps raise butterflies and they're typically monarchs mm-hmm. but we have some morning cloaks there now mm-hmm. and the morning cloaks are just not starting to emerge in their chrysalis but they were in their chrysalis for about three weeks no kidding so for those of you I listening would, I would, yes yeah. i just want to say the I morning cloak it's the brown ones in case you're wondering what a yes. morning cloak is go i'm sorry go ahead so just don't worry about it. I'm not going to do anything to it. I'm just yeah. I just go out there and keep looking. Like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Yeah, just keep looking. Like, yes. you will know if like it really didn't make it. Um, if it starts to like shrivel up and like really lose its shape. Yes, um, and, and so far, it's not, even like you, yeah. you said, it happens with us. It's so hard to become an adult butterfly. Like it, so many of them just do not make it. It's sure. really a tough life. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, I, you know, I'm so enjoying this conversation, and I, I really, I will let people know that if you're, that those of you that are listening, I will absolutely hyperlink all of these different things that we've been talking about, because I know that you do offer programs for children, right? You do have a, a program called the Young Naturalist Club. Is that right? You still have that happening for the third to fifth graders? We do. It's a new program, and that's a program that all the nature centers are doing. It's called the Young Naturalist After School Club. Oh, that's right. After and it is club. for third, fourth, fifth graders. Third, fourth, and fifth graders. You sign up by week, so it's flexible that way, where you would come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three to five. And the idea is, um, is to learn about nature and mm-hmm. to do different activities together. Um, in an outdoor setting. And of course, right now we are applying COVID uh, protocols, but um, it's a brand new program that we're really hoping becomes like a signature program for LA County Parks because our new director, Norma Garcia, she 
um, really believes in after-school activities, and um, that's something that uh, it's a little bit newer. After-school activities is a little bit newer for us in the nature centers, but we're jumping jumping on board and going for it with this school, uh, with the young naturalists. Well, I think that's just that's terrific, and I, and I'll make sure that people know. I'll I'll make sure that they're able to subscribe to your newsletter, and then they can hear about this because you do have guided hikes, and you do have a story time, and um, I, I know that you have this lovely yoga retreat center, and and I I'm not certain if are you are you currently having some yoga classes that are being conducted um at your yoga center. Or is that sort of, you do. Okay, great. Well, I'll make sure that we let people know about that as well. Wonderful. Okay, that Um, would be great. Go ahead. I'm glad you mentioned the newsletter. Um, The newsletter is what I tell people is the best way to stay up to date on what's going on in the park. Um, My coworker, Tatiana, and I, we um, are in charge of the newsletter. We send it out uh, about every week. And typically it's a letter from me where I give, I point out cool things that's going on in the park that day or letting them know about any interesting updates that will, uh, that will, are about to take place in the park. But then my favorite part are the links. I have all the direct links to our different classes. So you can just click on them and read about the class and then sign up. Perfect. Perfect. I will make certain that I have that information as a follow-up. I will, I will, I will absolutely make sure that that happens, Richard. Um, is there a difference between somebody that would consider themselves a naturalist as opposed to an environmentalist? Is there a difference between the two? Um, I think there is. I think it probably depends a little bit on who you ask. But you know, um, I'm glad you brought this up. I used to teach community college, and I would teach environmental sciences. Um, one of my many part-time jobs I would uh, a lot of times have had in my career. Um, and I would told them, like, in my definition, an environmentalist is someone who is consciously making choices to help their environment. Um, so if you're someone who used to let the water run while you brush your teeth and now you turn it off, you're making that choice. In my view, that can already that can put you down as an environmentalist because you're caring about the environment. You're making those simple choices to protect our environment. And, of course, you can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But a, for me, a naturalist is someone who also wanting to help out our environment, but they're more connected to the natural world, meaning they're, they have a connection to the plants and animals in that environment. And, like, when I was growing up, I, for some reason – Recycling, I just immediately understood, like, oh, that's a good thing to recycle. So I would always in charge of the recycling in our house, making sure uh, newspapers, bottles, and cans were recycled. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just doing that. And I think, you know, you could say, yes, he's an environmentalist. But I wasn't really making the connection of how this helps out wildlife. And if you would have asked me, like, to name some birds, I probably would have only been able to say – a blue jay, and maybe that's just because of the Toronto Blue Jays from baseball. So mm-hmm. for me, a naturalist is someone who can help you learn more about the natural world. So when you come to Stoneview or any of the natural area parks, the staff there, a lot of us, we have these shirts that say naturalist on the back, and we like to talk to people about 
the plants that are grown in the park, why they're there, about the different animals that you, people are seeing. Um, so we can help. The naturalist is really there to help build those connections to you so you learn the names of what you're seeing. Because, and this has been passed down to me from um, my professors and the naturalists that I've worked with, like, you know, to know the name of a plant and animal is a way for you to see its value because you don't see it as the green plant or the brown bird. You can see it as that's a toyon bush and that is um, a bush tit bird. So, like, you start to, like, and then you can recognize it and see it and then, you know, building those connections just like you did when you thought about, again, about the oil school and you uh, name those birds, like you saw, you know those birds, mm-hmm. and so you know the value that they have. Mm-hmm. So a naturalist really helps you move along in that way. I see. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it's really, you know, and listen, we don't all love the same things. We don't all have a passion no. about the same things, and that's fine because but yeah. that's what makes life interesting, and not everybody is going to be talking to the birds and the squirrels. And, you know, everybody's yes. not going to, you know, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, yeah, and that's totally, totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. And um, I, I, I have a really beautiful sanctuary in my own personal environment. I do have a fountain that does bring the Annas. It does bring the different hummingbirds to my to my yard. I don't have to put out a bird feeder because I have bottle brush next door, and I have bottle brush in my yard. They can go from the brush to the fountain back to the brush. So, you know, it, it, it's, all a, a, it's all about um, your interest, and uh, clearly um, I, I do have a lot of interest, and, I, and I'm, I'm motivated by colors. I, I happen to love the bird of paradise, not the big giant oh, yeah. white ones, but the, the orange ones with the purple. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just I think that's a beautiful plant, and, or the agapanthus. You know, there are beautiful plants that we are blessed to have where we live. That doesn't mean that somebody living somewhere else doesn't. I mean, listen, what we don't have, what you and I don't have that we know that our neighbors to the east do, is we don't have fall foliage. We're not going to see. Well, we might see a liquid amber tree turn colors and drop those porcupine balls that you hope you don't step on, but we're not <laughs> going to see a sh- right. I mean, we call them ankle busters, right? You step on one of those things and you're uh-huh. going to fall. But we don't have those beautiful sugar maple trees. We don't have that kind of no. fall foliage. But they don't have they don't have the redwoods. They don't have the jacarandas. So you know we. Wherever we live, if you are familiar and you appreciate what's around you by just stepping outside, I mean, you're not going to experience nature by, like you said, Zoom. And and you had mentioned something to me about smartphones. Um, Is there a way that people can use smartphones to stay connected to nature? Um, There absolutely are. So there are a lot of nature apps. Uh, mm-hmm. that exists on the different app stores. Um, but I could talk about it a ton, but the one I want to focus on um, is the app called Seek, um, like you're seeking for something, S-E-E-K. Okay. I like the Seek app. Yeah, you can you open this app, and it's powered by this other technology uh, and this company called iNaturist that I love. Um, but Seek, you can 
it's like a camera application essentially you can use it open it up and it will scan like the plant like the flower that you're looking at or if you're able to get closer to like a, a butterfly or a ladybug or another mm-hmm. animal that's not moving and it can scan it and tell you what it thinks it is in real time oh wow and then that's there's a lot cool. more you can do but that's a really cool feature because, again, people are like, what is this? And maybe they want to plant that uh, beautiful flower, those herbs in their yard. And that app gives them the name. And once again, the name is so important when wanting to value something or see how you can bring that into your uh, backyard habitat. So Seek, S-E-E-K. Now, uh, I'll make sure that we can include that link for people okay, to learn terrific. more about it. Terrific. I love that. There were times when I had uh, some apps, like I think it was Name That Plant, or I don't know what it was called, but this this sounds terrific. And I think if, however we can make it easy, let's face it, however yes. we can make it easy yes. is what people are going to do. And while there's been, an, just like we had this oil spill that started yesterday, and it was interesting because uh, um, Blue Angels were um, doing their last day of their um, Air Force um, flyover show that was supposed to conclude, which obviously had to be canceled. But um, things happen. I mean, today I realize that, you know, I'm hoping that by the time people may be coming back to listen to the show, if they're not listening to it live, but Facebook, Instagram, everything went down across the country around the world today and so you know we come to rely on some of these things but you know what and i guess it takes me back to you yes facebook was down i wasn't able to do a facebook live to promote this show i'm not posting on facebook oh well i guess i'm not i'm not looking at what's happening on instagram okay i guess i'm not but i can turn around in my office and say wow look at those look at those clouds or, wow, look at that sunset tonight. Or look at that moon. Or look at look at those. You know, I, I actually wrote the word murder of crows because we both know that that's what they're called when there's a gang of <laughs> yes. them. And you know mm-hmm. that Facebook did not like that. They didn't like that, that term murder, oh, which I thought was they, – they didn't. They, they yeah. kind of um, put a kind of kibosh on that. We both know that that is really what all those crows are called and – I affectionately call the crows the the neighborhood uh, roosters because it's part of my routine. You know, just like the squirrels get the peanuts, so do the crows. And I can have Ah. sometimes as many as 25 crows in my yard at one time. Oh, Uh, they they are loud. They they certainly are loud. But there are birds and wildlife that you know. These uh, we don't get the um, pileated uh, woodpeckers over here anymore. There's birds that we don't see. But, you know, if depending upon where you live, if you're near water and you can go see pelicans, oh, my God, they're probably my favorite bird. And they are descendant from dinosaurs, which I just recently learned. And there's just so much that we can discover. And I, I just think that that's what makes nature so phenomenal. And I liked what your definition was between an environmentalist and a naturalist. I mean, they coexist. There's no doubt about that. They could definitely they, coexist. They, yeah. they definitely coexist. But in just thinking about the yard and um, and just kind of picturing the yard, do you have like a favorite plant that you think, oh, man, every yard should have this? 
Um, when I think of my favorite plant, I always um, think of wildflowers. Um, and I think that goes on. I mean, I'm such a sucker for education, but I think it goes back to having to do my wildflower collection in um, 10th grade biology. <laughs> but um, so in Texas, I love, of course, blue bonnets and I love um, the Mexican hat. Here in L.A., of course, I love, um, um, I, now I'm forgetting, the poppies are California yeah. poppies. Mm-hmm. But I, I love also the wildflowers, the tidy tips. Um, they're a gorgeous Ooh. little sunflower-looking uh, type thing, and they have, they're, have, they're called tidy tips because on the edges they have this really beautiful boundary that goes all the way around the circle, so it does look very neat and tidy. So I recommend people thinking about wildflowers uh, in their backyard because there's so many beautiful California wildflowers. And every, no matter where you are, you're going to have wildflowers. And think about incorporating them into like a potted plant, into mm-hmm. your landscape because you know they're going, they're most likely going to be very pollinator friendly for bees and butterflies and more, and they're gorgeous. Um, they do grow well from seed. I planted some poppies with my roommate in my old place, and we were so excited when they started emerging. Um, so I would really contest, like, it's a broad category, I know, but look at into your local wildflowers, um, mm-hmm. and I would really consider planting them. Um, they're just gorgeous. I love all the shapes and colors that they come in, and they I feel, like, really connected to my local space when I'm working with like and learning more about the local wildflowers you know you you said something that was really interesting when I was in the my husband and I at that time when we were in the process of really building this beautiful backyard space and I I said to my landscape architect I said okay well I, I don't I don't like bees so um just as long as you're not planting things that bring bees and it's like she looked at me and she said are you crazy do you really think the bees are that interested in you? I hate to tell you, you're sweet, honey, but you're not that sweet. And and I really, truly, truly got over that. I can get face to face with a bee now, and if it's on my bottle brush, hang on, I got to get my phone out, you know, or wherever yeah. it might be. I am no longer afraid of the bees. In fact, I'm no longer afraid of spiders. Don't. Don't ask me why, and I know you guys have you have a thing about spiders, don't you? At the at the center, right? Um, yes, we like spiders at the center. Yes. Yes, because they have a purpose, and so if there is yes. a daddy long legs, or even kind of a creepier spider, and maybe it's come up through the 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 shower, the my drain or whatever, I can't kill it. I'll kill a flea, all right, because I don't want it biting me. I'm going to kill a mosquito. <laughs> I can assure you I'm going to kill a mosquito. But I cannot kill a spider. I will stop what I'm doing, grab a Kleenex, be very gentle because I don't want it crawling on me, gather it up, <laughs> take it outside, and release it. Now, I don't want to release it where it's going to be an orb web and I'm going to walk through it. Thank you so much. No. I'm going to release it somewhere where it's not going to like, I don't want to walk through your web. Love you like I do. That's creepy. (laughs) Uh, That's creepy. But there are really cool spiders, and and they play a part too, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, spiders are 
great to have. They help uh, eliminate those pesky insects, like mosquitoes, like you were just yeah. talking about. Um, I wrote about it in the latest newsletter because fall is, you know, spiders are a sign of the fall season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that times because of those big orb weaver um, yeah. webs that you were just talking about. And at Stoneview, like, uh, Jordan talks about it when he opens the park. He runs into these spider webs a lot. But, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of just because like, these, the orb weavers, they're little, they're, they emerge out of the eggs in the spring. Right. They get big over the summer. And then they're big enough in the fall to create those beautiful webs that we can, that are going to do It's not the most fun. But no. they also are getting a lot of a uh, lot of pesky insects in there and eating them for us and keeping them those numbers in control. And you know when it's kind of a dewy day, and then you're seeing oh, yeah. the, the the drops of water amongst that beautifully spun web that they work so hard at. It is another camera. It is another photo op. So before yes. I let you go, because I, I, I mean we're gonna I'm gonna definitely. Make it, make it a point to get over and physically meet with you in person. Is there anything that's up next for Stoneview that you would like those that are living close enough to visit that they should know? Now, one thing I, uh, we haven't talked about uh, um, is that we are connected to the Park to Playa Trail. So the Park to Playa Trail is a wonderful trail that connects about six to eight different parks over a 13-mile distance. So you can go from um, Culver City, and if you go west, you go all the way to the beach. You go to Marina del Rey and Playa mm-hmm. del Rey. If you're going to the west, you'll go into the Baldwin Hills uh, Parkland, and you'll continue over into the Stockton Corridor. That's east, isn't it? You mean east? That's heavy. Oh, yeah, east. Yes, thank right, you. Right, 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 right. Um, mm-hmm. That and that's part of the bridge that you were talking about. Uh, the bridge just opened last Halloween uh, in Halloween of 2020, so we're approaching the one year anniversary of it opening to the public. And that bridge, that connection, I mean, it's like LA's version of the High Line, I think, but even better because going through actual parkland, um, and you can explore it as a family, as an individual with friends, bikes are allowed on it. You can take your dog on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people are running. Some people are walking. Um, So I really want to promote that. Um, And I know we do still have more programs coming up um, at Stoneview, but that will be – we'll include in the follow-up and so people can subscribe to our newsletter. But I feel like um, the Park to Playa Trail is just – it's going to be how more people discover Stoneview and all the other great parks that are along that section uh, here in LA. So I encourage people to look for that. Um, uh, the park to playa trail, you really can't go park to park to park and then end up at the beach at the playa. Ken, is there places where if you don't want to do the full 13 miles that you can stop and oh, turn yourself around? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Uh, that's not thing about visiting the different parks because you can do segments. Some people just come into Stoneview and they'll do the segment that goes west to the Baldwin Hill Scenic Overlook. And then they come back down. That's only about like a mile segment. So Got it. it's, uh, it's pretty. It's, you can choose your adventure to what time <laughs> you have and the ability, your comfort level. Absolutely. 
choose your own adventure. Gosh, that just took me back. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if you're the same age as my kids, but that was certainly something oh, that I remember. I remember my. I love don't you remember books. choose your own adventure? Yes. Oh, I love. God. Well, this has been such a pleasure, and I am so excited to find the time to come to see you. You guys are open Wednesdays through Sundays. Am I right? Um, Tuesday through Sunday. Tuesday. Tuesday. You're just closed Mondays. That's right. Just Tuesdays through Sundays. And um, it sounds like, like you said, you have a great team that are there to help everyone that comes appreciate what's what's going on. And um, I've I've loved spending this time with you, Richard. I think what you're doing is just such a great balance and who you are as an individual to to bring this kind of joy to your to your professional life. I just I can see why you like it so much because it just fits your personality so well. Well, thank you, Marcia. Thank I mean, you talk so you talk I think just as passionately as I do about nature and our environment and you already know so much. So, thank you for wanting to share Stoneview's story uh, with you your bet. listeners. I I'm really happy. You know, do you have volunteer opportunities? We do. Because of COVID, it's, uh, the volunteer you, the onboarding um, is not happening right now. But, Got it. Uh, we are, when people sign up for our newsletter, if some of them are writing, being a volunteer, or this is volunteer interest. Terrific. And we're keeping that list. And when you, because there's awesome volunteer opportunities. They will be. That's uh, great. They, yeah. That's great. Well, maybe that'll be something that will come up for me in 2022. Who knows? But right now, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your for your love and kindness and compassion for for nature and everything that that involves. And I I look forward to seeing you soon. And I look forward to sharing all of these links that you've talked about so that people can easily subscribe and learn more about the great work that you're doing. I'm so grateful. And, you know, that's when we would say namaste. So thank thank you so much, Richard, for for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thank you. I'm going to let everybody go on with their day. And don't forget to join me again next week because this is a weekly podcast. Bye for now, everybody.